Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. This podcast is brought to you by Northbound Gear. Northbound Gear makes some of the best affordable outdoor gear on the market today. I have all of their pants, their tactical jacket, and the Apex jacket. I can't say anything but good things about their clothing, and I wear this stuff daily. I just put the Adventure water-resistant pants and the Apex waterproof jacket to the test on my latest overnight ice fishing trip, where the wind chill made the temperature drop down to minus 41, and it kept me warm and dry. If you want to check out their lineup of clothing and accessories, head over to northboundgear.co and use my promo code SHELDON15 at checkout to receive 15% off your order. That's northboundgear.co and use my promo code SHELDON, the number 1, and the number 5 at checkout to save 15% off your order. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. If you're new around here, my name is Sheldon Marion and I'm your host. Uh, as you can tell, winter has definitely set in here now in the Peace region and we've already seen some of its dramatic weather changes going from kind of plus nine to uh well the other day was minus 40 with the wind chill that wasn't uh that was not a fun day uh you know it's windy when it's warm windy when it's cold one or two days of calm in between and uh it makes it fairly hard to uh to kind of plan for every for anything really but uh you know that that's where it'd be nice to kind of have something close by here uh that i could kind of have established maybe with like a wall tent or something like that uh just to have somewhere to kind of go and to escape to uh you know i'm like anybody else i don't really like being cooped up at the house for too long and uh having something where i can just kind of take the sled or the side by side to and just kind of relax and kind of get rid of your stress and stuff from the week of work you know that would be uh It'd be something else to have. Uh, the unfortunate thing up here, uh, when it comes to leaving like a wall tent set up in the summertime, uh, not necessarily from mice and critters and stuff, although they probably would wreak a little bit of havoc on it uh, from time to time, but the bears especially would just absolutely destroy your stuff. Uh, I've lost several hunting blinds from bears to the point where I just kind of I quit buying them uh now if I want to go and set something up to hunt out of uh it's just like a wall of willows or trees or something like that that I throw up together <clears throat> the amount of uh the amount of money that I've lost just from bears chewing up my uh little pop-up blinds and stuff is oh, I don't even want to know but uh you know and that was uh that was probably one of the best parts about us having the trap lines. Uh, not necessarily for the trapping, uh, but for the cabins. Uh, trapping was fun. It was very educational. It gave you kind of a purpose for the weekend. And it, it really did get you outside. But uh, I still think the best part is just the downtime and the rock, relaxing time. Uh, just spent at the cabin. Uh, you're nice and secluded. It's just dead silent other than out at Cecil uh every night we were right underneath a little uh 
fly away there. So one little jet would go over head there and uh yeah that's one of those uh one of those things that you kind of start to miss after a little while when it's just dead silent and you just hear that real slow burning jet going above your head and uh you know it, it was nice i i definitely miss being surrounded by the trees and whiskey jacks and squirrels and stuff you know it uh it was one of those places that just kind of felt like home you know but uh Oh well, you know we can. Uh, I can always take the wall tent or even one of my ice fishing tents or something like that. Set that up in the trees here somewhere. I would like to build kind of like a a fort or something like that, and maybe even do like a, a YouTube series on that. Uh, the problem is, uh, typically around here, once there's like a single track going into somewhere, and I mean I would take the side by side and my snowmobile. Uh, into a little fort kind of a thing but as soon as there's one track into somewhere people always follow the tracks uh and then yeah it, it would just kind of get destroyed and stuff so uh i don't know maybe maybe one day in the future i might just kind of suck it up and give it a go see how it works but uh yeah that's future plans anyways but uh yeah this weather that we've been having here uh when i was at work i had a couple of days where it was the one day i think it was plus nine uh day after that started to rain and then got cold and then it turned to snow uh then over in the grand Perry area we got almost a foot of snow overnight uh up around buick we got kind of i want to say six to eight inches of snow uh but yeah, and then things kind of turned around a little bit. Uh, when I got off shift on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, it wasn't too bad. The weather was nice, but the wind started to pick up. So uh, I had plans for Thursday, and I kind of canceled them. And I got in touch with my brother, and uh, he wanted to go ice fishing out at Inga because he was out at Inga on Thursday, I believe. And it was a beautiful day, but it was just windy as hell uh so i didn't really want to do my thing that i had planned on thursday just because dealing with the wind i knew uh the potential of it becoming minus 20 or colder overnight plus that wind uh i just didn't want to risk it uh but anyways yeah we made plans to go out uh friday and spend the night out at uh ingle lake and it started out really nice it was i think it was about minus 18 or so when we first went out there uh and then the wind slowly picked up throughout the day uh and then in the evening uh the wind was kind of going from kind of east to north kind of a deal and it kept changing on us and then right around midnight it was just straight out of the north and uh it was about minus 23 i think and then with that wind it wasn't a slow little wind either like it was at least 40 the gust for maybe a little bit stronger and i think according to environment Canada charts uh when it's minus 25 with a sustained wind of uh 40 kilometers an hour you're looking at about a minus 41 wind chill and uh so yeah blaine didn't quite make it 
all the way through the night, uh, around midnight. He called it quits, went into his truck with his dog. I lasted about another hour and a half, maybe. Maybe it was around 2 a.m. And I had to pull the pin, too, because my dogs, even though they were in the tent on top of a cot, on top of a sleeping bag, and I had two propane heaters going, uh, it wasn't wasn't enough to keep the dogs warm. Uh, if it was just me, I might have been able to spend the rest of the night there. Because I, I was wearing all my winter clothes and stuff inside of a minus 20 sleeping bag. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was fairly warm. You know, your face and your nose and stuff, it gets pretty cold when you're breathing in that cold air. Uh, but for the most part, uh, I was warm. And if I had to, I could have made it, I think. Uh, it wouldn't have been overly too enjoyable. Uh, but it could be done. But... Uh, yeah, so it's not exactly twice that I've tried to kill someone on the ice, but uh, it's twice that the weather has turned very bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. We might, uh, I might try again here on my next set of days off. Maybe at another lake, uh, possibly Moose Lake. Uh, I've heard good things about Moose Lake in the past. Uh, I know someone that just went in there, and they said that the road is plowed out, and even the campground there's a spot plowed out for you to park there. Uh, so that won't be too bad. Uh, that's another issue with Inga. It's a great place to go fishing, but uh, unless you actually call up a grader and uh, get them to plow stuff out for you, uh, even into the campground, usually doesn't get plowed anymore. Uh, CNRL was plowing into there, but now they have all their stuff in there pretty well shut down, shut in, put bed kind of a deal. So... Uh, yeah, they're not plowing the roads anymore. So the the lake and one of the accesses on the far side of the lake doesn't get plowed out. So now if you want to go in there, uh, you're it's a little risky at times. But uh, yeah, you might get stuck. So just a heads up if you want to head into Ingle Lake during the winter. Uh, it's probably best just to park on the side of the road instead of try to get in there unless they actually... Uh, plow it out but uh it also depends on how many people go into the lake too uh some years enough people go into that lake where uh there's a really good uh beaten path into the lake and as long as you stay on the track you're perfectly fine uh but yeah other years uh it's it's not so good <laughs> yeah and then uh Another thing I might do too, instead of trying to sleep in my little pop-up ice fishing tent, uh, I might steal Dad's uh, what we call the Sugar Shack. Uh, it's just a little tandem axle trailer. Uh, I don't really know the dimensions of that. Maybe eight by I don't know if it'd be twenty, maybe sixteen feet. That's eh, somewhere around there. But then. Uh, Basically, we took, or not we, he took the trailer and he uh, got uh, basically a Utilidor cabin built on top of it. Uh, and then Utilidor, if you don't know what that is, it's basically tin with like that uh, kind of two inch styrofoam insulation in between uh, the sheets of tin. And they're just kind of like panels. So you got four walls and a roof and then inside... Uh, he put a little wood stove in there and there's 
uh, a queen size bed on the back wall. Uh, there's a window in there, table, chairs. Uh, I think last year he he kind of got like one of those real small uh, 12 volt fridges. They bolted in there. I think you just run an extension cord out the wall and plug her into a generator kind of a thing. So you have a, a fridge in there too. And man, that thing, it works like a charm. And it's uh, it's so comfortable when you're staying in that. Uh, it's just like having a mobile cabin on wheels. Basically, take it wherever you want that you can uh, really fit the trailer in there or where the road is plowed out. And, uh, yeah, you got a mobile cabin. Uh, and Dad there, he was crazy bugger. He was thinking about selling it uh, when he moved south. And, uh, yeah, he was asking me if, if I knew anyone that wanted it. And I said, well, yeah, I'll buy it. And <laughs> he's kind of, well, I don't know if you'd if I'd want to sell it to you or not. You know, you don't really want this thing. And like, oh yeah, no, that thing would be wicked. And then, pretty sure Blaine said the same thing. So now I think what his plan is is uh, when he moves south, he's gonna park it at either my place or Blaine's place, or we'll just take turns back and forth whoever's using it parks it at their house kind of a thing and then uh basically when dad comes up for hunting season or berry picking or whatever he can just hook on to it take it use it i mean after all it it's it's his little sugar shack uh and yeah other than that it'll just kind of hang out at one of our places and uh yeah, it'll mainly be used for me during the winter for uh, ice fishing and stuff. And then for Blaine, because he doesn't have a holiday trailer, I'm sure he'll use it in the spring, summer, fall, and winter. You know, it'd, it'd be just uh, kind of like a poor man's holiday trailer with me. I got my nice little setup here. So, uh, yeah, I won't really need it during the spring, summer, and fall. And then that'd be kind of nice, too, being able to go camping with Blaine, and he won't have to stay with me unless he wants to you know he'll have his own little uh his own little holiday trailer kind of thing he won't have any of the modern feels that i got in my trailer he definitely won't have no flat screen tv or running water or anything like that but uh he'll have the bare necessities to get you out and about in the woods and stuff and then worst case scenario too if he needs to use the toilet or needs to have a shower or do his dishes or whatever, he can come into my trailer for camping together and do up his dishes and stuff in my trailer. And If it's raining out and he's kind of tired of reading a book or something and he wants to watch a movie again, if we're camping together, he can always come into my trailer, fire up generator, turn on the TV, <laughs> watch a movie, play Monopoly, do whatever. Uh... But yeah, I think that thing, uh, if dad does decide to leave it with us, that thing is going to, it's going to see some miles, that's for sure. Uh, you know, last year I spent Christmas in it at Inga Lake. And uh, that was definitely one of the best Christmases I've had since our last one that we had out at the cabin. Uh, that used to be kind of our tradition is every year at Christmas time we'd get a a chicken we throw the chicken onto the wood stove 
in the morning we'd run out check our traps come back in we open up the cabin door and chickens pretty well done cooking and the cabin just smelt amazing then you'd quickly do up your potatoes and peas and carrots whatever it is that you're uh whatever else you're cooking up there and oh yeah it was a it was always a great uh great way to spend christmas so that uh so last year there it kind of brought back that uh kind of nostalgia of it all uh i was out there for i think three days two for sure and on christmas day there i cooked up a nice little chicken on the roast pan there on the wood stove kind of did the same thing at the uh, cabin except instead of checking traps i was fishing all day i uh, you just go in every couple of hours and with that wood stove the dad has uh it's a fairly small wood stove so you have to stoke it up a few times during the day but uh yeah come evening time chicken was all done and cooked up uh then i put on a pot of potatoes and peas and carrots or no that time i think i made honey honey and sugar carrots but uh yeah it was pretty good once it was all done cooking up on the wood stove there i took the lid off and i had uh my big wood stove and i built a fire in the far back side of the wood stove and once it was going it was nice and hot in there i took the chicken with the lid off i threw it in to uh into my big wood stove because the whole whole pan fits into there close it up put a nice little browning on top of the chicken uh i think i made mashed potatoes and all that good stuff made some gravy out of it and then uh afterwards i had a bunch of these small little pies threw them into the wood stove too heated them up so then we had the chicken dinner uh buns and all that good stuff and pie afterwards for dessert so yeah i made a a full-on christmas meal out at uh ingle lake in the sugar shack just with the wood stove well and then i used the propane burner there for uh for the potatoes and carrots but yeah that was a good trip uh i think that trip too if you want to check it out on uh youtube there you'll have to kind of search for it now but yeah i made a made a video that day on that and uh yeah that was that was a nice little christmas uh getaway for me shelby uh dad and myself um karen there they were all out so yeah that was uh that was a good way to spend christmas do you want to become part of the buick outdoors team represent one of the best northern bc youtube channels and help us grow if you do then check out our brand new online store we have a bunch of new merch set up and ready to sell. We have everything from hats, shirts, sweaters, cups, mugs, backpacks, pillows, and the list goes on. It's also made for men, women, children, toddlers, and we even have something for your pets. We have several designs to choose from and a bunch of different colors and sizes. Head over to shop.spreadshirt.ca slash buickoutdoors to check it out. That's shop.spreadshirt.ca slash buick outdoors and join the team today yeah and when i'm doing stuff like that too like oh i i could have easily spent a couple weeks out there just you know, being out on the lake catching fish enjoying kind of nature and just 
kind of being away from everything. Uh, it kind of makes me think back to like how the old timers uh, did it there on the trap lines back in the day, like old Jack Schulte there. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't imagine how peaceful his life would have been during the winter as cabin on the trap line. Uh, me and dad actually uh, took our snowmobiles into his old uh, cabin there. Uh, it was kind of like the neighboring trap line to our silver line. Uh, I don't know when exactly that was. I know I was, I was still in high school, so it was, jeez, uh, probably 15 years ago now. But that was, that was pretty cool, being able to slide into there, because it was, man, it was in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere. And then also, it's not just you're driving down a road and it just happens to be there. Uh, we were, whatever, 20 miles uh, on a snowmobile trail where it's just old seismic lines and old hand-cut lines. Uh, and then at one random spot, I remember on the left-hand side of the trail, there was a small little opening. And Dad was looking at it and he goes, well, I know somewhere around here is where Jack's old cabin is. So uh, this kind of looks like a trail. Maybe we'll head in here and went in there and lo and behold, found his old cabin. Uh, he had his cabin set up there. He had an old, uh, food cache. A food cache, it's basically a, a miniature cabin, like a 6 by 6 cabin that's up on, like, 20-foot stilts up in the air. And then, uh, that way it keeps the bears and mice and stuff out of your food. Uh, but that thing, it, it blew over. Uh, so it was laid out on, uh, across the yard. But, uh... You know, surprisingly enough, the thing, it, it wasn't really damaged all that much. It looks like somebody just kind of picked it up, put it on its side, and that's where it was sitting. So, uh, whoever constructed that, I'm assuming old Jack Schulte, he did a hell of a job building that for it to fall off the stilts and still be in one piece. You definitely wouldn't have something built like that today. <laughs> but then also across his yard there... There was probably six or seven dog houses for all the sled dogs. Uh, there was a great big spruce tree. And hanging up on one of the branches was about a dozen old beaver hoops. Uh, beaver hoops, they're old, uh, old stretchers for beaver. They're made out of willow. Basically, you take two willows that are still green. And you tie them up on, on one end. And they come around as a big hoop. And you tie them on the other end. And then when you stretch out your beaver, you start the nose and the tail, and then you do the sides, and then you go in between each ties, and eventually uh, you just stretch your beaver out on this willow hoop, and then you have a nice little beaver round, and uh, yeah, you let your uh, beaver hides dry like that. And yeah, not too many people even know where an old beaver hoop is, let alone have seen one or put their hands on one kind of a thing. So that was pretty nifty, being able to see one that uh, wasn't like a a recreated one. Like those beaver hoops were actually used by old Jack. So little memorabilia, things like that. It's pretty cool to be able to say that you got your hands on it kind of a thing. And uh, all that, you know, we didn't bring anything out. We just picked it up, looked at it, kind of 
Oh, wow, that's that's pretty neat. And then we put it all back, and then uh, his cabin was still standing. It was in absolutely phenomenal shape. Uh, if you're just listening to this and you're not watching it on YouTube, you're kind of missing out because right here I'm going to put up a little picture of the old cabin there with uh, me staying in front of it. And, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty neat how some of that stuff is still standing. Uh, man, even on the inside of the cabin, because, you know, out there, you never locked your doors. Uh, especially back in the day, every old-timer kind of knew where everybody's cabin was. That way, if you ever ran into trouble, uh, back then, neighbors were good neighbors. You didn't have to worry about it anybody for the most part uh there's probably the odd person that was uh kind of trouble uh but 99 percent of people if you had troubles you knew where your neighbor's cabin was if it was closer than yours you would just go to their place and if nobody was home the door was open wood boxes full you just went in made yourself at home get yourself situated and then in the morning you could take off and uh kind of get back home kind of a thing uh, but yeah, we walked inside and man, that thing was still just pristine on the inside other than, you know, the obvious mouse droppings here and there. And the odd thing was chewed up. I think there's a pair of shoes that were, that was chewed up and, uh, his old sleeping bag and foamy cot was chewed up. Well, when you walk in there, it was a nice little log cabin and on the right hand side, I want to say there's just one big kind of cupboard and there's a medicine cabinet there. Uh, he had his single mattress on the far side on the wall. Beside that was a little nightstand. Uh, you know, inside the medicine cabinet, there's a bunch of small little brown glass bottles all missing the labels and stuff. So it was, uh, you didn't exactly want to crack those open and give them a sniff because you never knew what the old timers had for uh for medication and pills and rat poison and whatever I'll say it was all a mystery back in the day you probably knew exactly what was in there but uh yeah now all the labels were gone and you just yeah <laughs> it was cool to pick it up look at it and say hey that's pretty neat put it back and leave the cap on <laughs> and then uh uh, his nightstand there that was beside his bed. I opened that up and inside was his old uh, uh, it was BC Trappers Association card that was in there. And I can't remember what year it was from. Uh, but that, we ended up taking that out with us. And also there was an old uh, Trapper Nelson uh, frame bag that was in there. And uh, the frame bag and Jack Schulte's BC Trapper Association card, we donated that to the uh, Fort St. John Museum. So those are hanging up in the Fort St. John Museum. So if you go there and you see that uh, that display, if you grab that Trapper Nelson bag, uh, pretty well anyone looking at it, you'd probably think that it's just some hunk of junk, dirty old canvas bag. Uh, but if you only knew... Just even the story of how it got to the museum, you would be absolutely blown away. Let alone the amount of stories that bag could tell just from being on 
kind of Jack Schulte's back over the years and just the amount of traps and fur that's gone in and out of that bag you know it's it's uh it'd be a phenomenal story if that bag could talk uh you know the the weird thing though was too is uh when we were in there and getting ready to leave you know looking around it almost looked like the old boy there just kind of packed everything up as if his season came to an end like it does every spring and he kind of just locked everything up or put everything away tidied up cleaned the place up walked away and then for whatever reason just you know didn't quite make it back out i don't know if maybe some health issues got to him or he sold the line to somebody and they didn't uh they didn't go back out to that cabin or what the deal is but uh you know, it's it's amazing at just how many of those cabins like that are scattered throughout even the Peace region, uh, let alone the Peace region, uh, southern BC with like all the old gold mines and stuff. Alberta has a huge history of trapping and ranches and stuff too that are the kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, even old homesteads. Uh, my great-grandpa's old homestead, we quadded into their... Uh, kind of like a family reunion quite a few years ago. I think that was probably back in 2011, maybe 2012. We quadded into the old homestead. Well, at first, we actually took a helicopter in there, which was pretty nifty. I uh, went and we looked at the old barn, the old stables, looked at the old house. You know, even the old outhouse was still standing, which was pretty cool. Then you find some old relics, like there's a bunch of old kids' toys that were still in there, and old wood stoves that were kind of about three quarters of the way rusted out, but you can still tell that it was an old wood stove. So it's uh, it's pretty nifty what you can find in the bush, and even right here on Buick, uh, just right across the road from me, you know, like 300 yards, if that, there's an old house. That's all kind of caved in now. But, uh, yeah, there's an old house over there. Same, kind of same thing as Great Grandpa's old homestead. You know, you can see where the wood stove was. Uh, with this one, that's about the only thing you can see. Uh, <laughs> it, it's still pretty cool to be able to walk through there and look. It's pretty nifty. Uh, and then just up the road here, about two kilometers on the left there. If you go way back in there, there's another old uh uh house site in there you can tell where uh well there was a an old house there's kind of cement set up for a second house and there's a couple of sheds and if you go into the back corner there's an old combine in there which is uh pretty nifty oh geez what else is around here uh my spot where i like to go and look for moose I don't know what kind of a shack it was at one point in time, but it's kind of like a 10 by 10 shack. It's all caved in and and stuff, and that's right along the banks of the creek. So I don't know if that was an old skitter shack, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool what you can find when you're out in the bush and the stuff that you stumble upon. Even, like, old cars and stuff, you know, uh, on the Silver Line, we found there's an old car parked right by the uh right by the cabin 
I think it was like an old blue Chevy car. Uh, and then out on the old Cecil line, uh, before they put in a new pipeline there on the one corner of the road, we were setting link straps in there the one day and happened to notice something kind of parked in these tall willows and spruce trees. And yeah, there's another car parked out there all rusted out and stuff. So it kind of makes you wonder who drove it in there, what happened, why it got left behind. And, you know, if only you could kind of tap into their stories from time to time and, and kind of just see, you know, what led that car or that house or whatever to be abandoned and left there. And, yeah, it's pretty cool what you can find. Yeah, it's a shame that we can't uh, kind of pick up all that stuff and and somehow transport them to some kind of a cool little museum or something like that and uh, where they could be kind of preserved and people could kind of look at it and kind of run your hands along some of the, the workmanship and craftsmanship and really really get a feel for the amount of work that those guys put in uh, to building these cabins because a lot of the time you, know, you didn't go in with a chainsaw and a, a group of people like you hiked into a spot and you had basically hand tools and a rifle and a little bit of provisions and you just kind of picked a spot and said yeah this looks about right and you just cut down the trees that were around you you hand peeled all the logs you set up your foundation you cut the grooves with the with the saw at first chip them out with your axe use a hand chisel to smooth it all out stack them up and uh slowly put a cabin together or in some places slowly put up a house and uh you know it's just amazing that you know some of these places are still standing where you can where you can literally walk up and you can put your hand on the you know the old axe marks and stuff and uh you know you can really feel like the history and the craftsmanship and the knowledge that's uh slowly getting lost and uh yeah, it's a it's a shame that most people don't get to don't get to do that. It's also a shame that most people kind of don't really care either. That's where uh, I'm pretty happy. Where I'm one of the few people that when I do find something like that, you know, you know the the amount of work that has gone into something uh, that was hand built, and like you can almost feel like the pride and knowledge in the in the walls itself kind of a thing i don't uh it's one of those things where you either know the feeling or you don't you know it's kind of like my old 3030 you know grandpa's old gun you know if when i pick that thing up it to me it's not just a old rifle you know you can feel my dad's hands and my grandpa's hands that were on that gun and uh yeah it's really made me kind of shift from liking synthetic stocks to liking wood stocks on guns uh mainly just because you know one day one day it'd be kind of cool that i can uh i'll be able to hand down you know my gun to one of my kids or my grandkids or something like that and hopefully they kind of get the same feeling where they can hold up the old cz 22 and say yeah you know this is grandpa's gun and he shot a lot of chickens with it back in the day or 
you know, the old 30-06, my old 16-gauge shotgun, you know, all those rifles that are all woodstocks, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's something else to, to kind of put your hands on them and pack them through the bush, and it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, but anyways, guys, I think I'm gonna cut her there, and, uh, want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast uh if you're just listening to this and you want to watch the uh the video version uh you can head over to youtube check out our youtube channel uh just called buick outdoors also if you're watching this on youtube and you want to listen to this uh on the next one or listen to one of our old episodes i just search up the buick outdoors podcast on any major podcast platform and uh yeah you'll find us out there uh but yeah anyways guys i want to thank you for watching thank you for listening uh please uh consider subscribing to the channel uh give us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on and uh yeah we'll see you on the next one